Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkville and Craig Cerventi. Hi, Mike. Hi, Craig. Hi, listeners. Welcome. This is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, where me and my friend Craig talk about a movie that is nearly great, but not quite there. And we analyze it, and we think about it, and we try and think about other movies that are similar to it and understand what is stopping it from being great what's a little thing that the makers could have changed that might have made it really really hit that great great absolutely fantastic and occasionally we will determine that something is is unable to achieve greatness in which case or it's just perfect as it is or it's perfect as it is we may deem it to be wallowing in yeah because wallowing in mediocrity but yeah but mostly we're aiming for greatness mostly we're trying to choose we try and choose films that are close to great and think about what what could have been different that would have made it really properly truly a great film and today we're going to talk about a movie from 2011 called the help which was uh based on a book uh i think it's our first one that we've done that is uh, based on a book, which does carry kind of a unique challenge around um, book, like converting a story. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a, there's a, we, a real. We've done a we've done a, a movie that's based on a book. Our very very first one was uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, that's true. That's true. We did Hitchhiker's Guide. Based on a book. And, yeah. and War of the Worlds as well, based on a book. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's based on a book. All right. A very famous book. Yeah. yeah. But it does yeah. it, it, it does carry it does it creates a unique challenge for the for the makers uh, whether whether and to what degree they stay true to the book and 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 thus uh, it's an extra factor in their decision making which may cause a film to be great or not be great if they are trying to appease the fans of the book and this this is a mm. book this is a, a book that was very very popular and i read it it I, was i read it before the film came out i remember ah, um very good um amy my wife she's read it yeah and through um she she insisted that i well she said that i should read it before i watched the film and i was like Pfft, i don't need to read books <laughs> they read me <laughs> So I so, so I, I never watched this movie when it came out. So uh, I've I only watched this movie for the first time this week. And get um, out of town. And it was and so I read and so it w- would have been about ten years ago that I read the book. And so it was it was interesting coming back and going oh yeah I remember that oh, I remember that character and, and kind of piecing the plot points together again. Um, and it's so interesting another interesting kind of context in which you've got to read this film so it came out in 2011 and it's uh, uh, we think it's the oh I mean obviously there have been through the course of Hollywood there have been all sorts of movies that have tackled race relations but it really took on an an extra edge under the Obama administration uh, yeah and a, a lot of a lot of filmmakers were inspired to tell stories about about race relations and so inspired or did they feel safe to tell stories about race relations possibly felt safe possibly they felt okay and, and possibly it's to do with the producers and uh the or believing that the audience was there that, that, yeah absolutely that because if you think about it and you look at like stuff that came out in the 80s and the 70s so like uh, very famously have roots which was in the the early 70s so that would have been like at the height of the nixon 
yeah. administration or, or just after the Nixon administration. Then you had do the right thing in the late 80s. So that would have been at the end of the Reagan administration and then into the George W. Bush or uh, George Bush Sr. Yeah. administration. Um, and then you get this. Uh, at the and so if you look about those films and those are quite combative I don't know I don't think my analogy stands up because uh, the film that comes out the next year from this is Django Unchained yeah. and uh, <laughs> that's a wildly combative movie so um, maybe I'll just back that story out but uh, yeah um, it's interesting I'm, you, I'm sure there's something in there you've also got 12 Years a Slave um, Ooh, came out just after this you've got The Butler um, with Forest, oh, yeah. Forest Whitaker came out came out after this, and now that's a, a rare treat. I get to say that I've seen a movie that Craig hasn't seen because um, <laughs> I've seen I've seen the Butler. That'd be a good one for this, actually. Oh, you Butler's, Butler's a good one. That's there's a good movie in there. I don't know if it quite quite nails it. And again, that's 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 Forest Whitaker, isn't it? It's Forest Whitaker, and that's that's a tr- that's based on a true story, and that's that's telling a story that it kind of pans. Quite a quite a broad stretch of history through the sixties and, and out to the nineties. I think that's mm. roughly. Maybe it's earlier than that. Maybe it's fifties to eighties, um, and spanning different you know different men in the White House. Um, I, I'm I'm no expert on race relations, but um, I would I would suggest that we still have a a race relations issue. Uh, in many parts of the world today so no doubt uh, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, fun fact um, my wife and I uh, a few years ago did a road trip of the American South um, and we went and visited the uh, National uh, Civil Rights Museum in I want to say Memphis Tennessee which is built in and around the Lorraine Motel which is where Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated right um, so that's a that's an eye opener, um, uh, and and feeds into this. But hmm. sorry to distract, but yeah. So most recently, uh, most recently the the uh, Oscars this year had <laughs> had three three films about race relations in the or or that feature race relations or have a message about racism. I suppose. Yeah. So you had Black Panther, which is probably the loosest fit of the three. Yeah. But does have a message about empowering um, the, African Americans. The mere fact of a film about an African American superhero as, as the main yeah. as the main character is, is and not big. portrayed in a traditionally African way. So um, there is lots of African inspired <laughs> um, uh, imagery, but it, it's not. He's not come from the slums of Johannesburg. He's come from this very progressive very technologically advanced um, African country, Wakanda. Um, and yeah, that's a complete turnaround from how Africa is usually depicted on screen. Yeah. You, it does you, It does not have um, a, a Hollywood A-list actor. His name escapes me right now. And you're going to kick me when you guess it, but he played Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. And uh, he was in Titanic. Leo. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio doing the worst South African accent ever. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. You, you had Black Klansman. You were just you were just. Remo- I was chuckling because you were just reminding me of that character in um, Chasing Amy, the 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 black, comic book writer. Yeah, it is comic book white Hayden Coon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> Doesn't he have a whole monologue it's, about? Or is that in, got a, is that in the other no, one? No, he's got a he's got a whole bit about. He's at a panel and he's got a bit about um, black people. Uh, and their lack of representation in science fiction and fantasy, and he gets into an argument with Jason Lee um, in the audience about Lando Calrissian. Um, oh right. Um, uh, and um, and then it moves on to, to Darth, um, cast, Darth casting Vader. casting Darth Vader and um, Luke Skywalker as Darth Vader as being like a black prince. And uh, and Luke Skywalker as a um, Nazi poster boy, <laughs> his blonde hair and his blue eyes. It's a hot take. <laughs> Go see it if you haven't. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith, Kevin, Kevin classic. Smith, yeah. I, I've seen Kevin Smith live um, in Auckland. He does a panel thing where he he basically just gets on stage and talks about being Kevin Smith for three hours yeah. and twenty five minutes. Yeah. It's um, worth the price of admission. <laughs> so we're going. Yeah, he was he was soliciting drugs on stage. Which was kind of <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so Black Klansman, you mentioned, and Green Book, obviously, that went on to win. Um, yes. Ugh. So, ugh, exactly. Don't, um, but, don't get me started. <laughs> so, but but you know, the, so the help. So it's 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 been a big. Um, yeah, it's been a big decade for race relations uh, in America, both in in culture and in movie culture so the help and yeah. the, and the help in, in 2011 you know was a was a significant point in that and kicked off kicked off a run of movies about about race relations yeah whether whether intentionally kicked off or or whether there were just these films i think that comes back to whether filmmakers felt there was both an audience that would watch this kind of film and they felt comfortable enough to tackle it in this way um, but I find it interesting, like we talk about 12 Years a Slave, which was a, by no means a bad movie. Um, and, and when I say it's, it's, it's a, it's a heck of a watch. It's a hard watch. It is a hard watch. It's, it's very, it's very challenging. Yeah. Um, in the best, worst ways possible. I don't know. It's like Schindler's List to me. I, I can only watch that movie once and, um, and not because it's bad, but because it's very good oh. and, yeah, yeah, the I, classic New Zealand example is Once Were Warriors. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can only watch that once and then you make other people watch it. Yeah. So, um, not because it's bad, but because it's very good and it's very truthful in its telling and depiction of violence. Um, but, yeah, so you watch 12 Years a Slave and then you almost have to watch Django Unchained following it up to get a cathartic release because you want that kind of uh, Hollywood revenge after the fact. Yeah. But, um, sorry, we keep getting off track. Yeah, but that's yeah, twelve. That's a, that's a lot of talking. We've barely talked about the help at all yet, so we should probably yeah. actually talk about this movie at some point. Talk about the help. Um, yeah, so the the help is interesting because it's a, a Disney film, so it's made by Touchstone Pictures, so it kind of has this this Disney esque happy happy ending vibe. Everything kind of tied up into a bow. Um, I don't want to precede the ending a little bit. We'll delve into the film yeah, a little bit total spoiler alert yeah. um total spoiler we will alert. absolutely spoil the ending nearly 10 years ago so yeah it's and it's got a i guess it's it's fair to say it's got a disney um kind of look look about it it's yep. it's, it's it's really it's, it's, go, well it's golden um colorful um yeah well shot and tidy um it's a good looking yep. it's a good looking good looking film it's a good looking movie yeah good um, looking film 
looks good sounds good the the edit's good um sound is good like everything about this film is is good it's it's competent yeah, it's tidy making. um yeah very tidy so the story um so story is about a it's a black woman um who works as a maid um and a and a white woman who is an aspiring journalist and uh this the journalist character she she's trying to break into trying to break into journalism and she gets told by a prominent female journalist that she should she should write about what disturbs her and she gets this idea that she could write about um the uh, situation and the experience of being a being a black maid in the sixties. Nineteen sixty-three in oh, I forget the state now. Mississippi, Mississippi. Yep. has to has um, to be Mississippi. Has to be Mississippi, um, and it's set obviously it's set in nineteen sixty-three. Um, so it, it stars uh, Emma Stone, Viola Davis, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, Octavia Spencer, Jessica Chastain. Uh, Sissy Spacek is um, in it as well. Mm. I love me some Sissy Spacek. Um, and so Emma, Emma Stone's character, she, she she's already a square peg in in the white around hole in the white yeah. world. Um, she so she doesn't fit in. She's got a she's got a um, a, a clique of white friends, and it's fair to say yeah. she's she's quite distinct from yeah. Them. She's the odd one out. Yeah, they all want to get married and have babies. Um, and she is definitely not about that getting yeah. married, having babies life. Yeah. So, so, so at, the, at the start of the at the start of the film, even before she she she, she goes on goes on the journey of of gathering the material for this book, you know the fact that she is um, she's she's seeking a job. She the first scene you see her in, she is interviewing for a job um, at a at a newspaper. The job is. Um, I don't know if this is the job she's interviewing for, but the job she gets is writing a um, uh, domestic advice column. Yeah, um, which is which is why she needs to talk to the maids in the first place because she knows she knows nothing about next to nothing about, about cleaning a house or getting or gum co- out of your hair. Yeah, um, so that's what kind of that's the ins- that's what incites the whole thing. Is she? she although although you, you sense that already she has um she's uncomfortable with the situation she has her own so she has her own maid that brought her up um called constantine um who you don't see for most of the movie except in flash in one flashback scene but there's this a pervading mystery throughout the film that is only resolved at the end which is what happened to constantine why is she yeah, not what there to constantine? um and in every scene that um emma stone's character um who's goes by the nickname skeeter every scene that she has with her family mostly her primarily her pe- her mum um she is probing her to to find out what happened to constantine because you you you, you get this I guess they're creating a sense of, of genuine love that she has between her and Constantine, uh, which which plays against the the situation the the situation that comes out through the interviews and and even earlier on just through the voiceover from the black maids, which is that they they raise these white babies, but somehow the white babies grow into white adults who the white babies who love them as black maids 
grow into white adults who uh, will quite happily um, shit on them as as maids, mm. which is kind of this. Where it's it's, it's a, a bit of a a question that's left lingering is where do they where do they change, and yeah. and, and what how do, how do they learn. How do they go from babies who love these maids, who, for whom the maids are more like mothers than their actual mothers? Well, that's actually a line that's that said a couple of times that she was more a mother to me than you were. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a it's a reoccurring theme in this film. And you get a sense. Um, so the sense you get with Skeeter's character is that that didn't happen. She still loves Constantine like a mother, and and is is really is really torn, um, and 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 really conflicted. In, in not being able to find out from her parents, particularly from her mother, what happened, yeah. what happened to Constantine. And now you you mentioned a, the the point that you've just made um, about how it's it's repeated verbally quite a few times that theme. I, I I guess that's that's the first thing about this movie that really sticks in my craw is that a lot of the time they they really do spell out what's going on thematically. Th- oh, yeah. through the dialogue and, and if that's not enough through through just just straight direct voiceover um uh, so so that's you, you, what I've, what i've just talked about about that conflict is is really spelled mm. spelled out over and over oh, again yeah absolutely they keep hitting you about the head with it yeah um mm. and even in so even in so the the film starts uh, it starts midway through where where Skeeter is interviewing um, Abelene, who is the the main the main maid that she, that, that the story hinges around, and and she, played by Viola Davis, who is amazing yeah. in this film. And I think one of the so one of the first questions she asks her is, "How does it feel to raise a white baby while your own baby is at home being looked after by someone else?" So they 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 really just they really kick you in the teeth with that with that. That, here's the theme for the movie, folks. In case you, in case you're you're not able to work it out for yourself, here it is, just straight up in dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> right at you. Yeah, straight out the gate. Um, Pulling no punches. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 really go over the top. They really at, at every point, every opportunity they get, they spell out for you um, what what the movie is about. They don't they don't take any any risk whatsoever that you're not going to get it. Um, yeah. Which is yeah, I think a, I think a more nuanced film director um, might might have might have taken that that chance that you you're smart enough to figure that out on your own, um, and I I don't have a problem. Um, Tate Taylor is the guy who directed this, uh, and to be fair, I don't think Mr. Taylor has has done a heck of a lot either before or after this. This is a reoccurring right. theme for us here on the podcast where we pick movies by directors that don't seem to have done much before or since but um yeah he's he's got a he's got a long list of of credits to his name and he's certainly making films even to this day he's got two films in 2019 uh five four films in um pre and post production um and completed for 2019 Mm. alone so the guy's working and working hard Mm. uh but yeah i think a a more nuanced director like like my boy stanley kubrick would have would have handled this with just a little bit more 
because the you know finesse because the, the the story is is told really well and and i wonder how much of it's to do with editing where they where the editor perhaps didn't have the confidence to to leave some of that leave some of the voiceover out and let the let the cinematography tell the story there's a, a really fantastic shot early on of um abelene in in the bath and you can see that um she's got her her hair strung up and strung up in cornrows and so you oh, yeah. and so she's obviously wearing a where every other time you see her in the film she's obviously wearing a wig because she has this this straightened dark hair yeah um uh, which is obviously not her real hair and and man that that sh- that shot cinematically tells you so much of what Everything what you, you need, need to know, to know yeah. about this film but they, uh, yeah, someone's someone in there somewhere. Maybe it was the studio, um, didn't didn't want that. Didn't wasn't willing to take the risk in just telling that story visually. They mm. they go over and over again. Um, there's a, there's a line uh, a little bit further along um, where the the baby Ab- the baby that Abelene is looking after, whose name is May Mobley she actually she actually says point blank you're my real mama ab um yeah <laughs> uh, that's a cute kid by the way oh yeah she's a she's yeah. a, she's adorable yeah you is uh, you is smart you is you is kind what's the you is kind you is kind you is smart you is important you this is, is important. the yeah. this is the line that the line that it's kind of the mantra that abelene is is um encouraging this this little girl to remember and her uh, her mom and she has real she i mean that character has real emotion for that kid she um she really feels like that kid's got a a, um has got a serious disadvantage in the mother she was actually born with she feels that that mother shouldn't be a mother well yeah Um, although although, and she does mention she does mention it's i think she hints that she's got she's got baby blues right like it's it's a i think she hints it's a postnatal it's more it's more a postnatal depression thing than uh she this woman hates her babies yeah um but you're right she does point blank later on in the story say that woman should not should not have be having more babies, babies which of course she should not which yeah. of course she does she has a second she baby prom- yeah immediate, immediately does. and she gets and then it was the 60s yeah and after and beyond that she's even worse to uh she's even worse to may mobley than she was before um yeah so story we should we should talk about the story so um <laughs> uh what happens so there's a there's a real so there's a a cast of a cast of characters there's the white you know the the the, the white um women the white um housewives M- housewives led yeah. led by hilly is kind of the chief the, the the chief of the white housewives yeah the the alpha wife of the al- she's the um, alpha wife she's got a yeah, she's got a mo- played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, she's got a mum who is a little bit senile, and so she and she has got other other women around her. And Hilly's maid is named Minnie. Um, and then so there is Skeeter's character, um, and her their family maid Constantine. Skeeter's mum is she has ovarian cancer, um, played by Alison. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I, I knew she had. I knew she was sick, but I I wasn't sure that it was a. I didn't know was ovarian cancer. So, she yeah, so she's played by Alison Alison Janney. Um, yeah, and and then um, and so there are a few other 
mothers as 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 well. And um, the sissy SpaceX, she plays um, Bryce Dallas Howard's mother. Um, and then you've got uh, Octavia Spencer, who plays Minnie, yeah. who actually won an Oscar for this. Um, yeah. For best supporting actress, and, um, and then uh, and then so the yeah, so, so there's there's one more main character in this who is the um, uh, another of the white white housewives, but she's she's out she's cast out from the other white housewives because she's kind of white trash. Um, so char- yeah. the character's name is Celia Foot, um, and so she's married to a man who was a suitor of Hilly's. Um, and so Hilly kind of orchestrates the the casting out. Um, yeah, they of they shut of, her. They of put Celia. her out in the cold. Um, and so and so she's kind of she's she's on her own a little bit. Um, so at one point Hilly fires Minnie. Um, but then and, and Minnie is Minnie is casting about looking for a job and sh- and she manages to tee up a job with Celia um, and of course has the kind of polar opposite experience of what she's used to from the other white women where because Celia is such an outcast Celia is just stoked to have someone else around and she literally and metaphorically um, you know uh, hugs Minnie uh, and and draws her draws her in and becomes her becomes uh, more of a friend than a um, you know, uh, an employer, and so uh, uh, again, in the in in the manner of this film, it, it it takes the takes the stance where the the white trash woman is the one who has heart and is able to you know see past the racial divide and the the supposedly noble um, women are the ones who are in fact nasty and boy aren't they <laughs> yeah, yeah well yeah Gosh. and and there's a real there's a, a a real it's interesting you say it's a disney film because they are disney level um ev- villains. evil yeah. they're, they're yeah. real villains real nasty pieces Especially pieces Hilly. of work yeah uh, led Gosh, led by led by hilly and you do get a sense that the others um they 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 play off Hilly. They take they take yeah. Hilly's lead, and she instructs them. So the big the it's almost it's almost like the film's trying to say that their people are mostly neither good nor bad. They were very fence sitting individuals. Follow me here. Yeah. And if you get somebody in a position of power, who is a real piece of work, Mike, and they're awful. <laughs> You'll have all these fence sitters become emboldened <laughs> by this real piece of work, and where ordinarily you might be able to reason with them, instead they just become racist assholes. It is almost like think, it is almost like that. Um, and this movie is, was made in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, I, I feel like you're drawing a parallel with with something that the movie could not possibly have predicted. You're not. R- no, but I, you're not wrong. I don't think I'm. Yeah, I, I think I'm onto something <laughs> here. That I, I think this. I think this. I think. I think in our leaders, we we need better people. I'm gonna have to think about this. Yeah. Let me get back to you. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie some more. Talk about the movie. Um. 
so so you hear so um skeeter so skeeter starts talking she she's uh asks permission to talk with abeline ostensibly for the purpose of writing this column but it's not very long before she um makes this proposal to abeline uh, that that she get her perspective on what it's like to work as a as a maid for a white family um which abeline is 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 not interested in doing at all um because it's and rightly tremendous so, because, tremendously yeah. dangerous for her to do yeah and that's those that stuff that plays out really well and i think you're right where um the the actress carries that really well where um she's she's in a conflicted position because she's not supposed to say no to a white person yeah um and yet this white person is is asking her to do something which she simply can't do and and And, and we may as well get into this now but like the the real the real crux of that that relationship is that um skeeter is not the the punishment that skeeter will receive for for this action is not comparable to the the punishment that abeline will receive for this action skeeter will be ostracized Abeline will be possibly um, murdered. Absolutely. Daring to speak out. Skeeter, the worst thing that'll happen is that she might have to find a new circle of friends. Yeah. Abeline could wind up dead. So. And, and Skeeter doesn't even like her friends. So it's not a huge, yeah, it's not a huge like, risk that what's she's she taking. Actually, but this is, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to her? She doesn't get a book published, I guess. But, um, but this, is what I, she fails. this is one of the things that I, I, no, I noted as something that I really like about this movie. Um, and they, they take the time to show you Skeeter looking up the, looking up the law of Mississippi of, about um, uh, white and African-American interactions. And, and actually, the penny dropping for her, oh, shit this is what i'm asking her to do so this is after she's initially proposed it to her yeah they show they take the time to show her figuring out this shit is downright illegal um yeah and i i didn't know this but obviously abelie knows she knows this shit because she knows that if she breaks this law she could be killed and i I presume that's a real law but to have a law that says you you will not publish works that are critical of um white and black integration that that's that's incredible to think that someone put that on the books Mm. just just what kind of world was it but what 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 kind of world is this what i really like about it is that you it gives you that that insight into into the journey that skeeter is going on here where she is she is downright ignorant at the start of this movie she just she thinks oh come on why like she knows she knows race relations are a problem but she knows jack shit about these ladies experience so she really you really do see her learning this um as she goes and and what i really she gets woke yo she does she does get woke uh it's so it's not like she's coming in and she knows it's she knows it's wrong and she knows all the reasons why and she just needs someone to stand with her she knows she knows dick she she has Mm. she has a sense that it's wrong but you really learn alongside her um, in exactly why it is wrong, um, and 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 uh, I really the scene that I really like uh, that I like the most is the first scene where she is. So she manages to she manages to convince Abelene to do this, or at least um, Abelene. Oh, 
I, I, no, I've, I'm just checking my notes. The scene is um, Abelene goes to church and there's, there is a preacher who... Um, oh, yes. he, he's, he, you, you get a quick clip of a, a sermon where he is preaching about courage and um, faith and doing doing what you know is right and so that makes her that makes her go back and and um, offer to do this with Skeeter but then the the scene after that is the one that I really like where Skeeter is she's she's doing her first interview with her and she's terrible Skeeter is just terrible uh you know she's she's asking these really really just tremendously bold straight up questions she's not doing much if anything to kind of build a rapport with her interview subject and again you get you get that sense of Skeeter it's it's not like she's she's this amazing journalist who just needs an opportunity she's really learning as she goes um Mm. which which makes her a really empathetic character to me Okay. So, um, uh, and, and so it's only about this point. So this is already this is a long movie. This is already about forty five minutes in, um, and it's a two hour, two and a half hour movie. And so, and this is the point. So Minnie goes and starts to work for Celia about the same time. And I, for me, this is where the movie really comes to life. I feel like the first, the first forty five or so. Um, it's, it's pretty heavy going it's pretty tough it's pretty hard work um but I, f- I feel like the feel like the when you when you really start to meet celia uh celia is the high point of the movie for me and i guess she's supposed to be like um as a she's she's a foil for for you know for the for the misery and for the drudgery is this the the celia and Minnie relationship where she's oh yeah they're great um, She's light. Can I she's just lively. Say that Jessica Chastain in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, kills it. Just, <laughs> just crushes it. Crushes it. She is just every every scene. She's she's steals yeah. every scene she's in. Yeah, completely watchable, completely believable. Um, as as this character um, who she she's just she's outcast and she just has no idea why and she. Yeah, she blames she's herself. pretty clueless, but she's very lovable as well. And she's also, um, and she's trying to build this relationship as well, and um, uh, trying to have a trying to have a baby with her husband because the reason they got married was because she got pregnant. But she then she, pregnant. but then she lost the baby, and she's been unable to. Um, yeah, she's had three miscarriages. Unable to keep a, keep a pregnancy since, and, she, and yeah. in the course of the film, she has another another miscarriage, mm. which is which is really heartbreaking, and you just. You, you you really feel for that character. She just kills it. Mm. And Octavia Spencer, uh, Minnie and Celia, Octavia Spencer and Jessica Chastain. I mean, they really sell that relationship as well. And I mean, there's a little bit of growth for Octo- Octavia Spencer because she's got her prejudices as well. Yeah. And Jessica Chastain just seems to love everyone universally. She's she's a golden Labrador. She, she just yeah just wants to be liked and loved by everybody in the room. Yeah. Um, and, Oct- and Octavia Spencer is one over by her as well. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. That she is one of the highlights of the film for me. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's another thing that thing that I think means that makes the first uh, first hour or so of this movie quite hard work, which is the main point of conflict is something that people don't tend to talk about, which is toilets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and how 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 the coloured folk had to 
had to weren't allowed to use the yeah so, white so this is something that comes off it comes out a lot easier in a book than it does in a movie because you can't um you can't have characters convincingly talking openly about uh toilets and urinating so you've you've got to tell a lot of it in kind of looks and you've got you've got a you've you've got characters trying to play that they need to go to the toilet um, and and to, to kind of bring out this tension of who is allowed who is allowed to use which toilets and the different households which some households have built a separate toilet for the maids to use because they believe that you know they believe that there is op- risk diseases. risk of risk of yeah. risk of diseases and, and kind of oh but it makes it a it makes it a really hard. Um, it's a really hard conflict to engage with because nobody can really talk about it. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's done in, in kind of awkwardly in, in looks and yeah. Uh, excuse yeah. the pun. Mo- well, that, that's why. <laughs> How long have you been waiting for that? One? <laughs> have you been sitting on it all day? Hey, <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's why Octavia Spencer's character is fired from her job because during a, a, a tornado, um, rather than going outside and across the yard to where the maid's toilet is, she sneaks into the inner house toilet and she's caught in the act, as it were, by Bryce Dallas Howard's character, um, and and that's how she gets fired. And even that um, even that seems a bit weird because the mum, Hilly's mum, tells her she can. She's, she yeah. says, "Go for it. Use the inside one," and uh, and, and it just it, it it takes the punch away a little bit because you're like, "Well, she just told us she could," and I yeah. I guess you meant to infer that she knows she can't because Hilly is the boss, but but the mum is still the the senior member of the household, even if she is a little bit senile. Yeah, yeah. Well, she they do go out of their way to show that she's not all there. Like she wants to put her coat on when it's. Yeah. damn near 40 degrees outside yeah so. yeah yeah um uh, so what, what what so that's the that's the first hour jeez and there's still, yeah, there's still another 90 minutes to go so we've an already, hour to go yeah shit, we've already been talking about this movie for nearly 40 minutes um and we're not even halfway through um uh, so it's a long movie um it's a long movie it covers a lot of ground there's a lot of b plots yeah as well like there's a b plot about emma stone finding a um, finding a, a boyfriend or a husband material yeah. that eventually kind of goes nowhere. So we need There's, um, we need to jump through the second the second half a little bit. But that's one of the that's one of the things that that uh, the, the the challenges with this movie where they're trying to be faithful to the book. But there is a uh, a subplot in the in the book it doesn't really have a doesn't serve any particular purpose in the book, and it serves even less purpose in the movie where you have a. Um, uh, a, a love interest for Skeeter is introduced. They go on a date. It's terrible. He's a drunk. Um, he comes back uh, about fifteen minutes later in the movie, and he gives her a, a heartfelt apology. He says, "I wasn't ready. I had a breakup. Um, Hilly made me come on this date, but I wasn't ready. Sorry, I was such a dick." And yeah. they kind of, she agrees to go out on another date with him. They bond. Um, and then when she when the book is released, everybody knows that she wrote it, even though they're not kind it's of anonymous. they're not a- able to openly say it. Um, and then he just leaves her, and then and, the, and yeah, because it turns out he's a huge racist. And that's so. and that's the end of that subplot. So 
Yeah. You, you got to kind of ask yourself why they left it in the film. What purpose does it serve? Uh, and I was trying, I, I was know. trying to figure this out. What what would you lose if he wasn't there at all? I guess there is a so it, it has a, it has an impact on Skeeter's character. It makes her a little bit more relatable and empathetic, but not much. It, it doesn't know. add a whole lot. I think, I think for a two and a half hour movie, you gotta you gotta justify all of these all of these. So things. Emma Stone, when this movie comes out, is a big name. She's still a big name now in two thousand and nineteen. Um, arguably, even a bigger name now in two thousand and nineteen than she was in two thousand. What did we say? Eleven. Eleven. Um, so I just look at that. So Emma Stone's the top billed actress actor in this film. I I think that's just you've got to have more scenes with Emma Stone. Yeah. As as, as functional and boring as that sounds, like from a story standpoint, I would get rid of it. I've got some ideas on on how to make this movie different. Not that anyone cares to hear my opinion, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood, certainly, don't hold Certainly back. not me. <laughs> so, um, so, just yeah, so what else is couple there? A couple other points on, on the last hour. So, so the, the trouble they run into is that they, um, so they only have two, two maids who will talk to them, these two courageous maids, Abelene and Minnie, and they need more, um, but none of the other maids will do it. They're all too scared. And there is a, um, so the, I guess the midpoint, which happens around 90 minutes through, is that um, uh, there is a murder of a, um, a black civil rights man, activist. civil rights yeah. activist, um, which heightens the tension. One of the maids is arrested for stealing, um, and, and suddenly all of the other maids are there and are willing to talk. Um, and... I mean, again, another example, there is a scene where um, Skeeter goes round to Abelene's house expecting to find Abelene and Minnie, and she finds a, a room full of maids. Um, and, and just in case you couldn't tell, she walks through this room and they all say, I'm going to help with the old stories. Uh, like, what else are they all doing there? <laughs> Obviously, they're all there to help with their stories, but they just, they just make, make sure you really get it. They all say, they all say I'm going to help. Yeah, um, they they really hammer it home. Yeah, so the the stakes kind of the stakes get raised um, where so she gets a call from the Skeeter gets a call from the publisher who says I'm going away on holiday. You've got to have it to me by X time. So they you know they they get a time they get a time pressure and then it swings in and um, suddenly everything's happening it still takes a whole another hour the rest of the movie to play out after this because you've got all of this all of these subplots to wrap up um she also gets told the publisher tells her um you've got to write about the maid who raised you so you know uh 90 minutes through this film and she still doesn't get to it for another half an hour she finally has to go to her uh confront her mother to unravel the mystery of what happened to constantine um um, I won't go into it. You already know what happened. She, she gets mistreated and leaves. Um, she leaves and then promptly dies. And then dies. Um, sad, yeah. sad, sad, sad. As, as um, Skeeter puts it, of a broken heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Well, so, I don't have an... Yeah. I mean, I don't have an issue with that per se, but I just... Again, 
Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Sorry, I keep trying to do right. Yeah. So, so, so the last, yeah, the last half an hour, there's just there's all these all these subplots to wrap up. There's the subplot with, um, uh, you know, Abelene challenging challenging Hilly because Hilly's trying to get um, Abelene's employer to fire her um, because Hilly knows Hilly knows that it's it's their town that the book is about, but she's not able to say it because there's a story in the book about her eating a pie made out of shit um and she made with human and shit, she and so, she yeah. can't she she's so she has to deny that the um the 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 book is about their um their town but she can she can still make all these efforts to um uh, undermine the people involved because she knows it's them and so one of the things she does is make Abelene's employer fire her and so there's the the last last scene is really heartbreaking where Abelene has to say goodbye to this little girl named Oberly who she has who she has raised and looked after and so she she does so the the movie does end on a sad note but then there's this kind of there's this voiceover at the end as she as she's walking off into the distance where there's an upbeat sort it gives it an upbeat feel um because because you, you know that she doesn't have to go back to working for a maid because they're making pots of money off of this book um yeah so that's the that's the plot wrapped up what do you want to say about the movie craig Oh God, where to start? Um, so when I first saw this film, um, they I hadn't read the book and I wasn't aware there was a book called The Help that had been on the New York Times bestselling list for 100, uh, 100 weeks or whatever it was. Um, so when I went and watched this movie, I was, I was of the opinion and the marketing had led me to believe or I had inferred from the marketing that this was a based on true story account. Oh, and so when I watched the film, I was like, oh, wow, this, this is based on true. And then it's, it's intermingled with actual true events. Like um, there was a civil rights activist who was assassinated in Jackson, Mississippi yeah. in 1963. That's, that, that plays out in the film here and people are talking about that. And so um, I knew about those events because um, I've been reasonably interested in the civil rights movement in America. So I was like, oh, so this is a true life story. I'm interested. And then later when I looked into it, because, you know, I didn't do any research prior to going to the film, um, I found out that it was based on a book and the book was based on, loosely based on experiences, um, real experiences that may or may not have happened. And and that's my first issue with the film is that um, you can make this movie without basing it on a fictionalized telling by a white person. There are real stories that you could make this movie or a movie like this about that would be every bit as, and maybe maybe it doesn't have the Disney happy ending, uh, but it's all the real how awful people are parts that probably drew me to the story originally, like yeah. that casual racism with the the middle the the upper white middle class women. Um, there's a line, there's a literal line about um, there are, there are real racists in this town. Um, implying that what they're doing isn't racist yeah no what you're doing is racist you can't look at the ku klux klan guys who drag people behind their trucks for sport um, and go well they're the real racists what i'm doing is harmless no you're all part of the same problem um uh, and that that movie makes that point and 
this is where I get really frustrated with the film is that there's a whole the whole story is important in understanding that you know racism doesn't have to have a white hood racism can and and I think the film is I'd like to think the film is trying to make this point that you can have these um, nice educated people not that anything that Hilly does is nice but you know on the surface of it but really they're just rotten to the core people who do awful awful things but don't think they're being awful yeah does that make any kind of sense yeah yeah i get it um and then as i've gotten older and more mature and i got more woke yo um i look at this film and it's it, there's if you look down the cast list so if you have a look and i'll read it in order as um as as delivered by imdb it's emma stone viola davis bryce dallas howard octavia spencer jessica chastain anna o'reilly allison janey anna camp so that that's like the, the top eight. Um, and then it's Eleanor Henry, which she plays Mae Mobley, and it's obviously twins because yeah. there's Eleanor Henry and Emma Henry. So in a film about that is centered around the civil rights movement in Mississippi in 1963 and touches on the JFK assassination, you've got eight or nine white people... Uh, sorry, you've got six white people for two... Um, african-american actresses um, and there's a lot of um, african-american actresses and actors in this film um, but it's still white people up front and i don't know if that's maybe that's just me kind of getting like too woke to function but <coughs> i just look at that and go man it's like surely this is a better way to do this um, so, so i th- i think you're right and to, to build on that a little bit one of the things that i found is that you you don't get enough of a sense of the of the the tension and the the it, it doesn't really feel uh, it, it, it doesn't feel visceral the the risk um and the tension of the the living situation of these maids and a lot of it is um I guess it's it's glossed over a little bit and Disneyized, and I and I guess that's just the the kind of movie that they wanted to make, where they 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 shy away a bit from the violence, but it does mean it, it does mean it it, it 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 doesn't it fails to build up the tension that it needs to, and you and it fails to give you that the real picture of what the the home life is like for the maids, because mm. the primarily you see them in their work environment you see so many um so her husband is abusive you never see him yeah it's that's that's implied in this one scene where um uh um, celia she she helps her helps her with a a bruise a cut on her eye so Mm. it's implied you you never see it um you never oh you do see there's a scene earlier where where uh um millie is on the phone to abeline and um oh that's oh that's true comes, that's true I'm the husband, you yeah. don't see him you never see him you hear um, it but and you don't you hear it and you see some stuff being thrown around and um obviously Minnie is, is terrified she knows what's going to happen next um but oh yeah but yeah, not to... also the also the, the the specific scene that i'm thinking of is the that i wrote i, I noted down was the scene where abeline is as she's she's running home after the murder so they get tossed off a bus um, the, mm. the 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 African Americans get tof- tossed off a bus um, that they're on, and so then the bus takes the white people home, 
because of this because there's been this murder and there's kind of heightened tensions and you see her so she's she's running home she obviously she needs to get home as fast as she can she's in she's in danger and there is a she's on the bus with um a, a guy who works at a diner um and they go they so they get kicked off the bus together but they go their separate ways straight away and she's rushing home and and you know that the the point is these people are at risk of being killed there are you know there are people traveling around looking seeking retribution this is a dangerous this is a dangerous environment yeah. but she just she runs home on her own the whole way she goes she she goes through a she comes across a crowd of uh, african americans running towards or away from something at one point but she herself is never in danger she is not running from anyone Mm. they choose not to she's not accosted by anyone she falls over uh and hurts herself at one point um but you know they they could have built some real tension in that scene they could have had someone they could have embodied the risk but they choose not to. They choose to have her have her just just fleeing home, and she plays out that. So she plays the risk herself, but they choose not to embody mm. that risk in a, in a in an actual person, and and it just it, it comes across a bit limp, where it's something that yeah. could have been really tense, and I think that's in in general they shy away from showing the real danger that these that these yeah. women are under, um, and and that they're putting themselves in by by um volunteering to contribute to this book and i, and I guess yeah. that's, there's there's just a, a tone thing where the type of movie it is where where it's it's golden sunsets and beautiful fields and and sweeping vistas and um swinging be- beautiful, 60s fashion. Yeah, beautiful homes um it just it, 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 it just it leaves that it leaves the tension a little bit lacking for me where I, I yeah. feel like there was there might have been a way in a kind of to kill a mockingbird kind of way without making it the whole focus of the movie but just to have one mm. or two scenes where this this actual risk is is embodied and you see it and 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 you see these characters in very real risk and very real conflict yeah. um and 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 where there's where there's a scenario where if it plays out a different way uh, th- they could wind up with with this outcome that you know is you know is there, but you just never see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you're right. There are there is a lacking tension at places at points, and, and at the the central conceit around the the pie with the shit in it is feels like the climax of the film, sort of. But they kind of let the cat out of the bag on that one at about the halfway point. And then you kind of expect something else to happen, but then doesn't. And the ultimate climax is a showdown between Hilly and Skeeter, where um, Skeeter's mother then comes to the rescue of Skeeter in this conflict and more or less tells Hilly to fuck off um, and to take her cold sore and fuck off. And um, I mean, and that's kind of the the climax of the film. Um, But you're right. There's no real danger. And, and I, and like you said, I think there's a there's a way to make this movie, and and this comes back to to my feel that this film kind of missed. There's a missed opportunity here with this film. I'll, I'll say it now. This is a good movie, and it hits on so many marks. It's functional. I enjoyed watching it. At no point was I like going, "What 
what why and, and shaking my head at the the screen and and having to rewind it and look something up yeah there was none of those points and there's genuine emotion when the when the kid is dragged away from Abilene and she's at the window oh, with for her sure. hands and face against the glass. Like, uh, I'm a grown-ass man and even I found that freaking sad yeah. and hard to watch. That's that's awful. Um, but then, yeah, it has a, a voiceover narration that ends the film and it's like, well... I, 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 guess, I, I guess at least they didn't turn around at the end of the film and go, we solved racism, yo. Um, yeah, so. it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a mixed ending. It's a it's a mixed success. Yeah, I do. Th- I th- I'm happier with that ending than I take it you haven't seen it. But you ha- have you seen Green Book? No. Well, at the end of Green Book, there's almost a moment where they where they're like, "We fixed racism." Right. Right. Like, Fuck. No, all. it certainly but, it certainly doesn't it doesn't leave you it doesn't you don't walk away feeling like feeling like it's gotten better. Um, no, it's a small step on a on a marathon. Um, I oh, I do think you talked about you talked about it being an enjoyable movie, and I I agree. It's 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 funny that it's, it's the most enjoyable for me. Um, the the second half of the second act is is by far the the punchiest and most enjoyable part of the movie, which is often the often the the slowest part where yeah where the filmmakers are trying to trying to get you through. Uh, and and trying to get you to that second turning point to get into the last act and and into the climax, um, where that's that for me is the is the is the best part of this movie. All of the mm. all of the best scenes play out. The scene at the ball. Um, oh, Jessica Chastain getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's all all of the all of the best and, stuff. The uh, the best made stories. Like I really like that montage with the, them telling the different stories and you get that sense of the good and the bad. Um, you know, the, that, the, that there's, there's more to this, there's more to the maid's experience. And this is all, all the stuff that must go into the book about the, that it's not all, it's not all shit. They get to form these really amazing relationships with these, um, with the, with the children that they look after. And even one of the, even, even and even there is one who tells a, a really good story about the employer and how what is it he bought two acres of oh, farmland right. so she could she could get to work without any hassles because the farmer threatened to shoot her yeah yeah for cutting across her field. A, yeah a, a maid as she's as she's getting old she's getting older and there's a it's hard for her to get to her place of work and this there's a so the employer buys the land that she needs to cut through um it's, white people problems yo yeah let's just buy more <laughs> land we'll fix that right up <laughs> man i wish i had those issues yeah, I, you God know damn what it, i'm gonna buy more land you know what that that, <sighs> that made i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy some land so that she can walk to work more easily walk to <laughs> work I really you like know, how am i gonna sell to the wife that i'm buying two acres of land i know I'll tell her it's for the maid. Yeah. She'll be into that. So, yeah. okay. So we've talked a lot about this movie. Um, uh, we should try and wrap this up. Because um, <laughs> this is... I've, I've, I've chastised this movie for being overly long. And this podcast is about to tip over the one hour mark. So <laughs> I should, I should um, eat my own dog food and stop talking. Um, so any, anything else you want to add? Or are we ready to make a call? Oh, gosh. What else do I want to add? I want to circle back to the idea that this film was presents itself on being a true-to-life story and uh, that i keep coming back my amy my wife she she doesn't agree but um i i feel like there's a 
I, f- I really like this movie and I, I like what this movie is about and I like the, the central conceit of the film that it's these maids telling the stories about their experiences in the American South at the height of the civil rights movement or just as it's about to really kick off. Um, I more want to see that movie where we hear these stories of the maids than I want to see a movie about Emma Stone getting one up on uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. To be fair, I like any movie where someone tries to get one up on Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, so I would watch that film independently of this. Yeah. But I, I, I just feel like it's a conceit. I feel like it's, it's like it's not as bad as Green Book in my opinion. Yeah. Not that Green Book's a bad movie. Watch it and you'll understand, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. It's just. I think there's a better way to do this film, and I think the first of all, it's not got to be about Emma Stone. It's got to be about Octavia Spencer, and it's got to be about uh, her experiences. It's, it's got to be about Viola Davis, and having to give up these kids. I, I think there's a a better film to be made there, like like Selma, for example. Um, David Oyelowo, um, who's in this as the preacher, he would go on to play Martin Luther King in Selma. Like that's maybe maybe I don't want Selma, which is a, another great film which we failed to mention at the top of the hour, mm. but um, about racism. Um, I don't know. It's a great film. Um, Jessica Chastain is a uh, turns out a star making performance in this. I I'm not quite sure how big a star she was before this movie came out but she was definitely a star after this movie premiered um if i just have a quick look back through her yeah she's she's doing a lot of stuff but she's she's definitely comes out on top in this yeah um yeah i don't know emma stone's great i mean the whole cast is great i mean i I whinge a little bit about it but ultimately i think this is a a good movie um made by good actors and and well-intentioned people that could have been a a really great movie um if if it was just mildly different yeah if i was if i was if i was calling it i would say it's verging on greatness it's um i would too it really it's is. An, it's um, enjoyable it, it has, made me it made me laugh um yeah it kicked you in the feels a couple kicks, times kicks in the feels. It, it made you it made you look at yourself and your your involvement in the world and and it makes me look at myself and go well am i being casually racist in this situation because i'm not wearing a white hood so is what i'm doing racist i don't know maybe just yeah who wants to hear about white guys who 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 figure out that they're entitled and privileged not this white guy (laughs) but um but ultimately that's that's what it comes down to and and maybe it isn't for us to decide if this film is ultimately a, a good depiction of race relations or bad depiction of race relations maybe that's not our call to make because it isn't about us um but yeah i think this is a good movie and i think it's it's worth the watch all right well maybe we'll wrap it up there um if you're if you're listening and you like this um we've got a we've got a facebook page we've got a a twitter um hit us up on those if you've got a suggestion for a, a movie we might do next then uh, give us a shout we'd be we by all means gotta... let us know we'd love to love to do a, a viewer a viewer requested film um so let us know in the comments in the little bit below we're on i don't know where you're listening to this most of you are listening to this on sound hopefully not in the police car that just went behind 
Craig's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cops drive past. I think I think there was an ambulance. Um, I, I live near a hospital, so there's ambulances coming and going all the time. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks, Greg. All right. I'll see you next time. Thanks, Mike. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.